1: Reston Esquire, it's been most excellent doing this podcast with you for these last two years. Much
0: appreciated, Christopher Van Socrates, Logan. Hey, when's our next
1: podcast assignment due? Hold on, let me check. Uh, three days, 27 hours. Chris, did you remember to wind your watch? Bogus! We spaced on the podcast! We only have an hour to upload or Luke's going to send me to army boarding school in Alaska. No way. Wait a minute, dude. We have a time
0: machine. We can go back and record a podcast when we have more time. Excellent.
1: Who are we going to interview? Let me check the book. Oh, there's this dude up next our 2019 interview with marco antonio Meggiolaro, captain of minotaur hi welcome back from the break today we have a very special guest joining us minotaur captain marco antonio Meggiolaro. welcome marco
2: ah thank you it's my pleasure
1: I'd like to start by learning a little bit more about Reobots, uh, the combat robotics team you started back in 2003. Can you tell us more about those early years and, uh, and why did you decide to start your own team? Well,
2: uh, I teach robotics in my university since 2001. And in that year, the Brazilian competition started. Uh, they started in, in, in student event, college, uh, events, college events, uh, where students all over Brazil they competed against each other in the middleweight category so uh, what some of my students they learned about it because they went to these student meetings uh, that were held yearly and then in 2000, late 2002 they asked me to to, to, to help them uh, create this team actually they, they looked for another uh, professor uh, trying to get some help and said oh go talk to Marco because He's the Ooh. one who teaches uh, robotics. Uh, it was uh, it was a, a colleague of mine, uh, Mauro. Yeah, he, he we share uh, office. Uh, so he was coordinating the control uh, part of the of our uh, grad undergraduate curriculum. And uh, so uh, he said, "Oh, you students, go talk to Marco, and I, I'm sure he'll be interested." So they told me about it. I saw some videos. Actually, I didn't know about it uh, before that. I started to. To get in love, after my students told me about all the BattleBots, so I started to watch all the reruns. So I just just wanted to be in BattleBots. Then I found out it was not anymore oh, <laughs> uh, no. being uh, television, being taped. So uh, I, I learned about it when it was already over. That's that part of it of BattleBots. But then I, I, I found out that there were many other competitions in the U.S. and all, around the world, and they they had just begun in Brazil like two years. One year before so i told my students just go to the 2002 events so learn everything you can uh and then next year we're going to build a robot and compete so uh, we built a uh, middleweight was an overhead block bot. So it didn't do much damage but actually no robots did much damage back then it was a matter if you get flipped over you'd lose so we built a robot that couldn't be flipped over Uh, so it was a, it was a good experience. We got like six plays in our first try. Then I got really hooked. After the first competition, I was truly hooked about it. I bought every single book on the subject. Like Granty my book was like my Bible in the very beginning. And we got like other books as well. Everything I could find on the internet, on, on the pages from, from the other teams. I, I was reading everything, taking notes. Uh, and then I started to have like weekly meetings with the students to, to teach them everything that I learned about it. Because, I, I mean, I did my PhD in robotics at MIT, but I didn't learn anything about this combat stuff. You know, this is very different. I was working with industrial robots, with programming, with software. Uh, I was not building stuff that would like have to hit each other so far. <laughs> so it, it, it was a steep learning curve then. Uh, so uh, we finally built our first uh, uh, horizontal spinner, and then we we got first in the Brazilian nationals, like wow. in the second wow. try. So it, uh, then, uh, you know, there's no turn back. <laughs> there's the point where you don't turn back after you win a competition like that. After your hopes, I uh, you just want to build better and better robots. And, you... and I think the level at the level of the competition in Brazil then started to rise a lot because of that.
1: That that's that's such a fascinating uh, comeuppance into combat robotics. Can you tell us some more about those early bots? Do you remember the first robot you built and like what was it called and and what did it do?
2: Yeah, so the very first robot we built was in two thousand three. Uh, it was called La Crya, <laughs> Uh which it's like a centipede uh, and. Uh, it was an overhead rockbot so it had like two wheels, and it had like a hammer. So you just like reverse the direction of the driving, and then it hammer the opponents. And uh, my choice, I chose that kind of robots because in Brazil, uh, no robots were invertible. So if you invert the other robots, you would win at that time. So I wanted to make sure that my robots wouldn't lose because it wouldn't be flipped over. Uh, of course, uh, the weapons back then were very weak. You know, like the the, the hammer wasn't so powerful, uh, and actually our armor was like one millimeter <laughs> like sand because that's all the weight we had left, and it was enough. It was enough to protect ourselves. So you can you can imagine how it was uh, back then. Also, most of the robots were built by uh, more control and electronic students because that was the most most of the students went to these meetings. So there were a lot of learning still in the mechanical parts. The, the robots were not very good mechanically, not very strong. Uh, but then a lot of mechanical engineers, uh, students, and mechanical engineering students started to, to enter this, these university teams and the levels started to get higher and higher. Yeah, We, we, we dominated the, this uh, sport in Brazil for the first 10 years uh, since we, we won in 2004, so maybe 80 years or so. And it was kind of annoying because we were like winning every category of every event. Uh, but we were helping uh, the other uh, teams to learn with it as well. So the level of the other teams also were going up. So it was, they were always catching catching up. And then I finally decided uh, to publish uh, the, the Real Box tutorial. What happened is that I had a lot of notes that I took from reading all those books, and also from all the learning that I did, that I had uh, experienced now over these uh, years. So um, I published. I in 2006, uh, I published the Portuguese version of the tutorial, and it was free online for the teams. Like in the first day, because they had like thousands of downloads, all teams started using it. I've learned that many teams in Brazil, in their selection process for the students for the teams, they uh, they use my tutorial to to for the students to study and to take a quiz on it. So it, it helped a lot. I felt very good about it. You know, kind of the downside was then they started winning against us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm. I'm a professor, and that's my job, you know, teaching students until he gets better than, than me. So, so it was kind of a win situation for me, you know, in the end. Um, seeing all the all the other teams getting the, to the same levels. So today is really tough to win in Brazil. We, Brazil has a very tough fighting team. Uh, in 2009, then I published the English version of tutorial. I had many uh, people from the U.S. Who, who learned Spanish, knew how to speak Spanish. So, for them, it was kind of easy to, to read Portuguese, mm. uh, which is the, the first version. Spanish and Portuguese are very similar. So, and they loved it. And so, they started telling other people from the U.S. and said, oh, you have to write it in in, in English. So, so what I did is like I, I, I spent like three months, you know, uh, trying uh, to avoid... Uh, everything else that in work you know doing just the minimum possible just barely minimum just giving classes uh and all my spare time i went on uh writing the second version of the of the tutorial and i included all the the things we learned from 2006 to 2009 so like three years may may seem not much but actually the tutorial like doubled in size more than doubled so the English version in 2006 was in 2016. Yeah, was was a, a very a, a good success. Uh, many people downloaded it into the PDF. There's now like a print version at cost price, but uh, the PDF downloads were, were insane. You know, we had like a tracking in the beginning. So I, I'm very happy that it helped uh, not only Brazilian teams but teams all around the world with it.
1: That's that's such an interesting story. How a tutorial became. Like a like a reference book, um, can you tell us about some of the big learnings from that book? Like, what 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 are what are some of the biggest chapters?
2: Uh, well, uh, in the uh, in, in the English version, I introduced a weapons chapter, which was I did not address at the beginning. So I tried to be more specific about what's the the math, the geometry aspects, and the physics aspect of each kind of weapon. Uh, actually, it was it's not much deep. It's not too deep, this, this book. It may seem a little bit deep in some parts, where I do some calculus uh, and some integrals and so. But actually, the idea is to, uh, to aim to any kind, any public, you know, the, the more the, the hobbyist, technician, the college students, because that's how this competition starts in Brazil, like in this college student competitions. So I try to uh, to put a little bit of everything in there. so it doesn't go too much in depth in this weapons part but it gives you an idea of where to start. so uh, so this weapons is very good. the materials part I also was able to, to, to go deep on it because uh, I also besides robotics, uh, before my PhD I did a lot of work uh, uh, in my master's about materials, material science and, and structural integrity. Uh, So this materials part was, uh, I I think it was very, it ended up very nicely there. So I I have an unusual combination, like uh, I didn't have like strong robotics course in my university back uh, when I was a master's student. So I worked a lot on structural integrity and then I went to MIT to do robotics. And then when I came back to my university in 2000, I started to teach both structural integrity and materials and robotics, and nobody could understand, they're not too much related, how can someone be like an expert in two such different areas, and since then it was like, for me it was fine, but I didn't know uh, what would be the purpose of my life with that, until I found Combat Robotics, because then it was just the, the, what I needed to, so the marriage of robotics and structural integrity, and, and materials and everything. So I felt very happy that I had these two expertise that were so unusual, so uncommon, uh, so unrelated, uh, and they, they were just perfect for, for combat robotics.
1: Now, Realbots also created a combat robotics card game. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Oh, yeah, that, that was a fun project. Uh, when I was growing up, I, I, I was a kid, like 7, eight, nine years old, There are a lot of these kind of card games, It's Trump Trump card games. There has several names about it. They're they're very much fancier nowadays. Uh, So I loved it and and some people started to say, oh, is there any combat robot version of it? I said, no, I I looked for it. And then I came up with the idea of of making one. So I started sending emails to every team, uh, uh, both uh, Brazilian teams and the ones from from RoboGames Uh, From the from the mostly from the U.S., uh, uh, which were the ones that we had, like some uh, proximity uh, that we had some contacts, Uh, and they started sending pictures of the robots and the actual info. So uh, I tried to to see how we could mix different weight classes and still can can have one card of a lower class winning from the other, and then I came up with this idea of using the the using the percentages. The weight percentages using the weapon or in the drive or anything. So in this way, uh, any card could beat it, any other card. I mean, uh, a bitter weight could win against tombstone. <laughs> you know, if you choose like armor in the very tough bitter weights, it's gonna win against tombstone because its armor percentage is not very high. Of course, if you choose weapon, you're gonna lose to tombstone. <laughs> so and, and, it, and, and it was fun because you could see the actual numbers of the percentage spent in armor batteries, uh, uh, drive system. It's, so, it's, so it's also a learning experience to see which kind of robots, which kind of percentages you have as well. And so uh, it was a fun project. I mean, it took a lot, of, a lot of time to make all the graphics. I did everything in PowerPoint, you know, old school. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, but I think the, 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 it looked very nicely in the, in the end, so... Uh, it was a fun. So I, I shared it actually recently. I shared all the files for everyone to print it. It also has a like a cost price version that people can can buy.
1: So you've you've been at the helm of RioBots now for sixteen years. Can you tell us, you know, where is the where is the team today? Like how big has it grown? How many people are, are currently on RioBots? and how many robots do you compete with now?
2: Uh well, uh, let's see uh, we just we just competed this week so I we have some fresh numbers. Uh, we have uh, we have been competing for 16 years. We have won like uh, among gold, silver and bronze uh, 100 and 181 trophies. What? so far. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah that, that's crazy. like half of them were gold. Uh, but that yeah that's and actually half of everything is like national and half of it is international it's very uh, it's it's very interesting those uh, those numbers so uh, of course I'm counting all weight classes you know we from uh, fairy weights 150 gram to battle box yeah, to heavy weights 220 pounds or 250 uh, so if we add, add up everything uh, we had many wins then uh, we uh, our team is uh, usually between 20 and 30 students, uh, but mostly 20, most of the time 20 students. Uh, the Our turnover rate is very high uh, because the students are starting to take internships early and early these days. So sometimes the students, we blessed one year when he's, uh, he or she is really starting to, to make a difference in the team. They leave for the, for the internship. Actually, I've learned that many companies in Rio uh, they look for students at Rebots. They go to Rebots to look for students for the, to uh, to hire them. So if in in their job interview, they say that oh, I was not Rebots for me. The, the interview just opens a big smile there because he knows that they're gonna be a hands-on uh, engineer and he'll have the, the uh, you know all the base, all the all the theory from the classes, but also all the hands-on part from the from the team. So we have like uh, 20 students each time, but we've had like maybe 300 students it's difficult to, to count. Uh, and we probably if we include non-combat robots like Sumo robots and uh, other kind of lo- like follower robots, hockey robots, we probably built like 80 like 80 kinds of robots, 80 robots, But then if you consider that each robot has like several reincarnations and several versions (laughs) over the years, like Toro Baby had like 10 versions or 8. Wow. Uh, I I don't know how to. (laughs) I don't know how how many, you know, (laughs) like, I don't know, 60 robots maybe, but times all their versions, I'd say about like 200, 300 versions of. A small army. That's incredible. it's, It's crazy. It's crazy. It's intense. Like our, our room that we have in our know, universe is not big, but it's packed. You know, everything, you can look everywhere, you're going to see a robot. There are robots on the ceiling. There are <laughs> robots uh, on every, uh, e- everywhere. You know, it's really, uh, we have to be very organized because it can get very messy, especially before big events when you're working like on 12 robots. Um, and all the robots are still disassembled, so you can imagine uh, how many parts you're going to see on our table. So, and, and it's a very challenging process because uh, most of the students, they are freshmen and they're in first years, so uh, they're still not very much organized. Some of them uh, don't know how to use the tools very well, so we have to teach from the very beginning everything. So for real robots to work, we have to take an approach as a company, so uh, I'm the, the, the professor that, that coordinates everything. We also have a, a student captain uh, for, for the team who, uh, who talks with all the area coordinators. So we have a mechanical coordinator, electronic coordinator, autonomous coordinator that works with the autonomous robots. We have a marketing coordinator, and we have uh, like an administration coordinator. And then they have other students below them <laughs> And then we have the interns, which are like the students that are still on probation, that just taking the, the entrance, entry exam for the, for the team. Uh, all students from the university can take this exam. So uh, they, they have to read the tutorial. They, there's a written exam. There's an interview. Uh, there's uh, some past uh, some date they need to, to perform. Uh, and then there's some internship of about two months or so until the next event. Then they enter the team. So it's a huge hierarchy there, and that was the only way that it would work. Otherwise, uh, there was not have any accountability for for all the the, the tasks that that we need to perform. So we also use a lot of software to 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 organize to demonstrate everything. Uh, so. Uh, it's, it's getting very professional there just for survival. So we're actually
1: really curious about one of your, uh, one of your teammates there on, on Reobots, and that's a Minotaur's driver, Daniel Freitas. Now, he's a bit of a, an enigma. We don't know too much about him. So I'm just going to fill in some backstory right now, and you tell me if <laughs> I'm correct. Uh, okay. In, in the early 2000s, you were... You know, casually walking along the uh, tree line of the jungle in Brazil, and there you found a young Daniel Freitas being raised by a family of of jungle jaguars, and you and you took him in and you and you raised him as a, a bot driver like none other. Is this true?
2: Well, uh, not not much, not really. Uh... <laughs> Not too far from the truth, actually, because <laughs> actually when he was younger, uh, he lived in the country, so he had like bulls and dogs every, everywhere around him, so <laughs> he was a country boy. Uh, and Then he went to, to the university, uh, he started to work on, uh, to study engineering, control engineering, uh, and uh, in the very fr- his very freshman year, uh, I was offering a subject that was called Introduction to Engineering. And uh, that year I was able to uh, to get some money, some funding to have all the students build their own combat robots. And the third project for them was to fight each other. <laughs> and oh, it, I, the best students from from RealBots, they came from that team. You know, actually uh, two of the teammates uh, from... Uh, at least two, maybe more from, from better bots came from that, from that class. And so Daniel, he built uh, his robots, if I'm not mistaken, was a, a bar spinner <laughs> and, uh, and then they fought each other, you know? So I, I, even I, I did build my own robots, uh, just to, to fight the students as well. So, and actually I think he took my, uh, one of my wheels off. So ah. he, he was a very dedicated student. He, he got hooked on it. He loved it. And immediately he entered the team right after this uh, this course and he started participating. Uh, then uh, our driver back then, he left the team because he had graduated already. He was already in his master's. So uh, we needed someone to drive. So the students started like uh, each one drive a little bit in the, in the school, just to, in the university, just to, to know. it. And, and then it was a natural. He, he was very good on that. So, we just went to RoboGames 2007. Uh, Daniel's, uh, we, we, we uh, Daniel uh, drove uh, Toro, our middleweight, and Toro Light, which was just being built, was his debut. It was the second year of Toro middleweight, and the first, very first, the debut of, of our lightweight Toro Light, And he won both categories there at Robo Games. you know. The first time ever, he, he, uh, he drove. Uh, Toro Light was inside the arena in the first fight. So he, he's a very fast learner. So uh, Daniel, uh, Daniel then was uh, driving our robot since 2007. Uh, and since he, was, he also did his master's in my university, I was his advisor. He, was, he continued, he kept being our driver. Uh, we actually, we founded the robotics company that builds uh, inspection robots. So we were always together and he was still in the team. Only when he, he was uh, more uh, caught up in his job and in the company actually uh, that he stopped driving four-wheel bots and the other students, uh, they started driving the big bots. The small bots, the insect bots, uh, many other students have driven as well. Uh, so it was not new, but in the big arena for maybe, I don't know, 10, 8, 9 years, it was just Daniel driving. So, more recently, other students have been driving the big arena. But, of course, for BattleBots, Daniel had to be the driver. So, Daniel went back from his retirement from <laughs> the, as a robots driver to go in 2016 to, to, to go to BattleBots. And that, that was the best choice. I, it was like the dream team. i trying to assemble the dream team uh, every time we go there. The best veterans since 2003. Uh, to get them whatever they are so they they can come with us so the best driver the best guy in electronics so uh and th- that that makes a big difference
0: that's amazing
2: daniel is is like one of the most
1: passionate drivers that you see in the sport today it, it at what point did you notice that he like puts so much of his own energy into driving uh like had he always been like that or did he did he develop like that kind of that kind of ferocity
2: later. He was much more ferocious before that. Wow. <laughs> actually, actually, I tamed him <laughs> over the years. Because he, uh, he, he's a very nice guy when he's not riding. He's very, very nice. But when he's riding, his adrenaline makes him get crazy and do sometimes do some crazy stuff. Like uh, uh, like being reckless during the during the fights and exposing himself too much there, so uh, I had to calm him down. He gets so <laughs> much adrenaline, so he tries to make some mistakes, but then he compensates for the mistakes with his ability. So in the end, I said, "Hey Daniel, I told you not to do that. You're gonna get screwed. Yeah, but it's, I won, didn't, didn't I? Said, yeah, okay, <laughs> okay. But next time, don't do that because you will." You were very good, you know. <laughs> I mean, you could win more easily if you didn't do that. Say, okay, okay, that's fine. So uh, over the years, he's been uh, trying to control his adrenaline. There, the adrenaline has to be there. So before the fight, he started doing some some breathing exercise uh, to to raise his adrenaline. <laughs> uh, but then not so much, you know, just at the right, right level where he's you know very aggressive but still using his uh, his brain. <laughs> so, so uh, he, he, he's uh, he's a, he's a passionate and and since he's a builder as well, he's like one of the main builders. Uh, he 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 drives it, uh, knowing like all the, the weaknesses of the robots and the best way to to get uh, to, to 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 get better hits with the with the strong parts of the robots. So he knows the robot very well. So it helps a lot.
1: So being this this pioneer with Rio with Rio bots and and watching uh, um, the the bot building community grow in Brazil, can you tell us like what is the the current like combat robotics scene like? And you know is it still growing? How many teams are there? And how many competitions do you have there every
2: year? Uh, we have many competitions. We have like the main event is the Winter Challenge. The Winter Challenge happens usually uh, in July, which is winter time here in the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, and it's the biggest event. It's like, I don't know, maybe 800 robots, something like that. It's like almost as big as Robo Games uh, because they, they have not only uh, combats, but they also they have many other categories like Robo Magellan, uh, like Life Followers, Sumo, uh, hockey. So it's, it's a big competition there. Uh, And we also have some smaller competitions, like the one we just went this weekend was in Rio. Uh, It was small, but we had like almost 100 robots there. So that's the small (laughs) uh, here. Uh, The the scene here is very uh, intense. A lot of vertical spinners, uh, mostly because of the inspiration of Toro. You know, Toro won like for... I don't know. Seven years in a row, he won here in Brazil. So everybody was started building drums and discs, you know, to so, uh, inspired by it. And we also uh, we were very open about showing the robots about teaching everything, every component that you use. So every time we did something new, in the other year, the next year, all the teams had this thing as well. And then they started to. To develop their own uh, uh, innovations, you know, so uh, it, it, it was starting to grow uh, to grow a lot. So today is very tough to win uh, in Brazil because the fights are very brutal. Uh, the, the The fights are very brutal. The weapons are taken to the extreme. Uh, they use the best materials. Uh, th- uh, there are a lot of comp- of, of uh, former students that open their own robotics company. They are competing now. Because in the beginning, since in 2001, it was like a a college students' event, a college students' meeting, where they had like this robot competition. Uh, These students from 2001, they are now engineers with their own companies. and They're still passionate about combat robotics. So nowadays, you see like maybe half of the teams are from robotic companies or or hobbies or experienced Mm. uh, engineers, and half of the teams are from the universities which are also very much competitive here because they have a very good log of all the experience they've had over the, the past, like 16, 18 years, since 2001. So here the university teams are also as strong as the, the private teams from companies. So every fight, you have to we say that we have to kill a lion at every fight, you know, to, <laughs> to move on, to move on because... Uh, the weapons are insane. You, you have a lot of energy. The best materials, people are using mar- maraging steel. They're using iron mat steel, which I don't know where they're getting it. Because <laughs> I can't buy it. It's like air-grade steel wow. from maybe the, the landing gear of the, of the plane. That's some people work for companies that build this stuff, you know, so they have access to some materials that other people don't. Wow. So it's insane there. And it's, it's very fun. I mean, I actually been. Uh, we're actually gonna prepare so preparing the videos from this fight from le- last weekend. We had some very brutal fights. Lots, as I told you, lots of, of vertical spinners and drums, most of them, but some horizontal spinners as well, and of course some wedges and fork bots. Um, so it's, uh, it's it's nice. It's nice, and it's a friendly environment. Uh, in the very beginning, it was not. In the very beginning, when it started in 2003 actually there are some teams that put some covers on the robots so nobody could see them wow you know because they they, they had this idea like uh, i don't know like a car race like formula one or so when you have to hide your uh your, the, the tweaks because the small difference uh they can make if somebody sees a little bit uh the uh, change you make to your car uh, but that's not the point in, in, in combat robots, in combat robotics. You know? It's so tough to build these robots that you need to share info for everybody to, to, to for the, the sport to grow. Uh, and also, even if you look at the other robots, I mean, it won't take much time for you to figure out what's his weakness. Are. You don't need to look inside to see, oh, I'm going to hit right in that spot inside here because here's where the battery is. You're not going to have time to do that. You're not <laughs> to have this precision. So it's pointless to cover everything. So uh, in 2004, when the second time I was competing, I, I just opened all my robots and everybody just came to look at them. And it was, I think I, I think it changed a little bit the the, the, the way people thought about uh, these competitions. Instead of being like uh, secrets, trying to hide your secrets, uh, the people were just sharing uh, the robots. And, and then, then the, the robots started to get much, much better here. So we share a lot of info and, and we learn also from from the events in the U.S., from Robot Games, for instance, where uh, everybody's very uh, friendly showing the robots. There's no nobody's hiding them.
0: Yeah, it must feel really good to know that what you and, and what you've built with RioBots has kind of pioneered and inspired so many other teams. So that must that must bring you joy at the end of the day.
2: Oh, oh, yeah, it does, you know, every, because uh, especially those university teams, uh, like every year they have new freshmen from these teams who had never seen me before. So they just, like, come to me, to my team, even though we're opponents, you know, we <laughs> different teams are going to fight. They come, they want to take pictures of me, like, oh, you know, I, I went to the other team uh, because I read your book, because I did Aww. a quiz, you know, so, so it, it feels very good, you know. They can beat us, but they... Uh, <laughs> They are happy, you know. When when they beat the robots, uh, our robots, they they are so much happy, you know, because like building the, it's like uh, the the building their beating their mentor, you know, yeah. <laughs> So they they feel very good because uh, they know we've been around for so much time, and and, and now they are the same level as you know. You can see uh, how how these Brazilian bots bots are getting. They they are making so many events here. That's uh, that's insane, actually. Uh, one of the best teams that that uh, we have nowadays is from a, a company, a robotics company, uh, in the south of Brazil. And actually, the owner of the company, he's hooked on combat robotics because he used to, to to fight as a student before he graduated. So actually, every Friday, he promotes in the end of the day, like after, <laughs> after the day the, the, uh, is over, uh, he promotes a small competition between his employees so <laughs> all, among his employees they they have some spare time from the along the week where they can work on their robots and everybody fights with a big barbecue there inside the company they use all the <laughs> machines of the machinery from the company to build the robots so so each employee goes there, oh here's my robot so they start building the machine of course is not being used for some projects uh, from other projects from the company so it's fun, and, and they're getting so good because they are fighting each other every week. <laughs> every Friday, they have a full, small competition inside them. And, and you can tell because they uh, they were like third place in one of the categories uh, this year, uh, this uh, last, I mean, last, uh, last weekend, and these, their robots were insane. That's amazing. All, 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 all spinners, all spinners.
0: So we would love to uh, jump into some listener questions now. We asked people on Facebook and on Instagram, and we got a bunch of people with questions for you. So the, oh,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, the, the first one comes from our friend, Kyle Kroos, who asks, what is your favorite weight class to build for?
2: Oh, my favorite weight class. Oh, boy. that's You know, uh, one of my favorite weight classes is the weights uh but that's more of a personal experience because i've been building myself ro- uh some weight robots uh actually i started with some kits you know some the, the bot kits you know that infamous bot kits yeah. which are too good you know so i actually bought one of them because i wanted to learn how to beat them that's the, that's the, <laughs> the truth <laughs> and I, st- I got hooked on them. It was so fun to drive. So it's, I was I said, "Oh, let's give it a shot!" And and uh, and I'm gonna drive for the first time. And then I, I won the competition in wow. the So uh, and then since then I've been winning a lot of competitions with it. I started to feel even better about it. So <laughs> I started to start build also my own robots. I just wanted to build simple robots. Uh, that don't take the students' time because it's just like a spare project for myself. Uh, It's just an opportunity for me to drive because my idea is to have the students drive the robots. I think that's the main driving force. Sorry for the pun. (laughs) The driving force is to have the the own student drive the robot he's building. So, of course, I'm going to choose the best drivers among the students. But if I drove them, it wouldn't be as fun. I mean, I think they wouldn't be... Uh, so passion. they they would be passionate, but maybe they're going to be more passionate if they know that they are going to be able to drive it. So, uh, so so I've been driving some of the robots that uh, that I build or that I, I assemble, or that I tweak, and so this has been a very great experience for me in the beta weight class. Uh, of course, uh, the robots I'm going to love the most would be the battle bots because they are the heaviest, you know. Sure. So so actually, I think that's. There's a theory that you love the biggest robot from each arena. So in the small arena, the, the heaviest one is the Beatles, so that's what you love the most. And in the big arena, the heaviest one is the Battlebots, so that's where you love the most. <laughs> I think that's the theory why I love Beatles and Battlebots. <laughs> you know, and the good thing about Beatles is that you can experience a lot. So we can build some very crazy ones. I just built. Uh, actually, it was not for the beer weight, for for the ant weight. I built a version of the no fly zone. I don't know if you know this robot. It's a very crazy robot that looks like a drone. Oh wow! It has like a propeller. Uh, the propeller is the weapon and the way they move forward. It's a it's a very nice U.S. robot. I did a version of it. Actually, won the, one of the championships in Brazil. <laughs> but everybody everybody was armoring all the sides of their robots, and they got like very thin lids. Very thin top covers, so you're just ripping all the covers off and all the wheels uh, that were exposed on the top. So, so it's fun. So I, I like these these projects, uh, these small robots, these small insect classes because you can experience a lot and then scale work. you know. That, that that's how huge show happened. You know, yeah. that was huge became reality. Nobody would think of building a battle bot; they hadn't tested before, like a, an insect. That was very effective, like like that. So, so I, I love Beatles and battlebots.
0: So, super fan Leo uh, wants to know: Does RioBots have any robots that aren't drum spinners?
2: Oh yes, definitely. Uh, we have uh, our very first robots with a, was an overhead whack bot, which like a hammer <laughs> driven by the wheels. Uh, we had spinners, horizontal spinners. Uh, we had like cyclone and titan They are both horizontal spinners they were very powerful uh they're they're retired right now because they were not invertible so mm. so nowadays it must be really invertible. here in brazil of course back then they they won like all championships as well before toro was born uh we built uh some wedges and fork bots, especially fork bots. uh our fork bots are getting too good. People are starting to get upset. <laughs> we <laughs> learned a lot. We learned a lot from the bot kits. And we are doing this on other weight classes. And actually, this past championship, this weekend, uh, there was uh, it was an insect competition. We won gold in all three categories with our fork bots. So, wow. Uh, in the ferry. And, and, and it was like 77 uh, insects. In very tough ones and they were very effective so uh we we are kind of perfectioning the the fork actually we have forks different forks against each opponent so different shapes different uh different functions uh so that's one of the things you know people call them wedges because they're usually used with a wedge but then actually 99 percent of the fights you use the forks only against horizontal spinners we end up using wedges so so we we've uh we've built wedges and fork bots as well i i think they're they they, they're fun as well you know it's like uh what what would be the world uh if you only had batman against batman you know it's good to have (laughs) batman against the joker you know so for me the, the wedges are the joker (laughs) <laughs> the active weapons are batman so it's fun to see like a very good fighting dance against uh, weapon robots against the wedge or against the fourth part you know so so we, we also built this kind uh, this kind of robots uh this overhead spinner which is like the no fly zone uh we had we've built as, as well we actually won uh in the gold in the in an event a few months ago uh with that so so we've we experienced other things, but our main love, our main passion, is for drum boards. Well, oh, we actually built these finish <laughs> for 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 the in the insect classes. So we've been around. Uh, we haven't built a launcher. That that would be one of my my passions. <laughs> Maybe someday to build a, a pneumatic launcher, but I have to forget about it because it would be too dangerous. For freshmen in my oh. university, you know, that's, <laughs> that's fair. That's because if a drum starts to spin, you still have time to remove your your hand or something with not so much injury. But if a reckless student just you know lets launch pop its pneumatic valve, you know, you, you, you can imagine what would happen. So um, so forget about it. No no pneumatics uh, in combat. Uh, so 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 in the summer. So uh, in a nutshell, like. Fork bots and wedges, drum spinners, a little bit of these spinners, uh, two very nice horizontal spinners, bar spinners, uh, and two thwack bots. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Have you ever thought about making a heavyweight version to bring to Battlebots in addition to Minotaur? Uh,
2: we thought about uh, in, uh, about other heavyweights. I mean, I think our main uh, limit is because of our budgets. Yeah. So it's very tough. To, to to pay for two heavyweights. So actually, Minotaur was inspired on Toro Maximus, which is our heavyweight. So we just scaled up the armor. We did a lot of changes, but internally we try to share the same components. Otherwise, it would be very difficult to to finance it. To finance Minotaur, uh, despite some of uh, some of, some cash sponsorships we have, uh, some of the sponsorships are mostly also in parts, which helps a lot but it's not enough to cover all the costs. So sure. having a second uh, heavyweight, the very different one that wouldn't share parts with Minotaur or Toro Maximus, uh, we would need to have some serious sponsorship for Um,
0: So yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great segue then to get right into Minotaur. So Riobots entered the 2016 season of BattleBots with Minotaur, of course, which quickly became a fan favorite, including, I think, amongst all of us in this room. So can you describe Minotaur for our listeners and give us some of its specifications?
2: Uh, yes, definitely. So uh, Minotaur's story begins maybe almost 10 years before he was born. Uh, it, it, it was a, We were at the RoboGames. Uh, we actually had won the, the Biddleweight and the Lightweight uh, uh, Championships there. And then the organizer of RoboGames, uh, Dave Calkins, he challenged us to to build a heavyweight, you know, that was missing for us. We showed that we were able to win in those more heavier classes. Why not a heavyweight? And then we finally got some funding. The university helped a lot, our university. Uh, and we finally built Toro Maximus. It debuted in 2009, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and it was it did a very good job. I mean, it took many years until it won. it, it won. It finally won in 2014 in Miami. In the stem tech tournaments and then the next year in the following year in 2015 i uh, won robo games the heavyweight championship so uh it was like several years of perfecting it from 2009 i think 2010 the second year of Toro Maximus we got silver if i'm not mistaken so so it was always getting close and it was always getting better we did some refinements. we changed entirely changed the the, the concept, the width of the robots and the components. We went full brush, uh, sorry, we went brushes for the weapon, The drive is still brushed uh, motors. Uh, we think they're still more reliable until we, we change our minds. <laughs> and uh, we, a, and then we evolved Toro Maximus until finally won 2014 and 2015 uh, heavyweight championships in, in the U.S., you know, STEM tech and robo games. Uh, so it was natural that if we're going to enter BattleBots that we're going to build a better version of of, of Toro Maximus and then when Minotaur was was born, our entry video for BattleBots, uh, we prepared like a five minute video, Uh, we show not only the Minotaur's project but also all the fights that Toro Maximus went to see, look, you see, we can do everything that Toro Maximus does and still have 30 more pounds to make it Stronger and, wow. uh, and 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 more fun. So so they love it. You know? It's it's very powerful. I mean, with Toro Maximus, uh, actually, uh, we went to uh, that. That's a, a classic video that we made back then. Uh, we went to a golf course, and we uh, hit a thirty-pound aluminum block, a solid aluminum block that I bought, and it went over one hundred and something yards. Wow. <laughs> It, there's a video. I mean, you can find this video somewhere on the YouTube. On YouTube, and it, it was crazy. I'm so glad that we did not test it in the university because we usually test our our robots hitting the university in like a, a soccer uh, field or something uh, away from it from everybody. But still, 100 yards, it would hit something, hit the walls of the university. So I'm glad that we went to a golf course for that specific test because. Uh, it's too much power there. And, yeah. Uh, so uh, in 2016, uh, we had a, a very good run. Uh, we lost a bombshell. Everybody knows that. Uh, 2000, and then uh, 2018, we came back with the same chassis, some small improvements on Minotaur. But we finally found out that the material from our chassis was not good. It was not uh, good. Some good aluminum. We we actually found that even though we bought him in Brazil, it was an aluminum that came from China that was mm. not definitely not uh, good. You know, it it was like spongy and looked a little bit like cast aluminum. Oh. It was 6061 aluminum, but it, it, its quality was very low. So uh, so for for uh, this season 2019, we built an entire new. Minotaur with an improved design. Actually, the the chassis is much thicker now. And we also use good aluminum, actually also from China. (laughs) But this time I I had a colleague of mine who is a PhD uh, who does some work. He writes some papers with me about material science. So he managed to buy the aluminum from the place where he buys the materials for his research project, So he he was sure that that was good quality. It's it's good to have someone like that in your corner. Exactly. And of course the machining was done there because the machining there is insanely cheap. The things that you never know about the material, you need to know where in China you're going to get the material to make sure that's going to work, that's going to be good enough. So, so all the chassis was made in China and, uh, we wouldn't have time for it to be shipped to Brazil, so actually one of my teammates, Junior, he traveled to China Whoa. to pick to pick the chassis from from Minotaur from this year's Minotaur. Wow! He went all the way to China to pick three sets three sets of chassis, like six halves because there are two halves of the sidewalls, and he went there and picked it, came back. You know that was the only way we would make it in time. So. So see how much dedication we have to Mina time the team. I, on I, I,
1: I can only I can only imagine what his luggage carry-on fee was <laughs> yeah. bringing that back.
2: Oh yeah, no, but actually he put like some bubble wrap everywhere and just you know paid some extra luggage. Actually, it was I, I think if he, he just he just got like some some shirts and some a little bit of of clothing in his backpack and all the rest of the robots. So I think it was maybe just one extra bag because it was only the the side. They were not so heavy, uh, but he managed to get them here, you know? And so uh, it was just in time for us to finish assembling Minotaur and then competing this year. Yeah. So we made sure that, that we had this. And we did the internal parts. We are improving, like the, all the reinforcements we're using on uh, weapon motors. But the weapon motors are still the same: the big scorpion motors and the, the brushless ones, and uh, in uh, driving system, big mag motors. So the motors are still the same, but we built uh, new gearboxes for the for the wheels, uh, larger diameter wheels to avoid get, get trying to avoid, of course, getting stuck in the on the arena floor. Uh, uh, and of course, reinforcing all the the fixtures that we make in the weapon motors, uh for it not to break. And of course, a larger diameter drum. So it was a complete redesign. I mean, even though it looks similar uh, externally, the the structure, the drum, and everything uh, was completely new. It, it was very expensive to to make it everything uh, to make three minotaurs wow. from scratch. You know, we we built actually built three minotaurs because we think that that's what you need to have a really good chance to to go to the finals and and not get out of spare parts.
0: Yeah, I mean, with, with a story like that, you guys definitely win the award for most dedicated team. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. The most the most passionate and the craziest, <laughs> probably.
0: Yeah. So Instagram user, <laughs> hey now you're a Brock star, wants to know, what are Minotaur's dimensions? Because it looks so small compared to the other robots
2: on the show. So uh, so Minotaur is about 20 inches wide. Uh, its internal height is about 4.5 inches. And his wheel, uh, it's about 9 inches now. It used to be 8 inches. Now it goes to 9 inches for a better ground clearance. And so that's how much it is. It's like more of a square shape, kind of a square, so it's like 20 each, and its length might be a little more because of the drum. So the, so that's about the dimension. Now, compared to the other robots, it's really small, but actually uh, this weekend we took Minotaur to showcase in these in events, and people were impressed because they thought it was so much smaller, you know. Cause in, in, <laughs> on the TV, you see it's so small, so people think that it's the size of like a middleweight or something. And then when they saw the size of, of Minotaur, they they got impressed. Because uh, here in Brazil, uh, uh, there, there's only one, uh, two other heavyweights. Uh, one they're competing in China, and and the other one was Black Dragon who competed there. So so people are not used to, to seeing heavyweights, uh, so they get impressed of how big they are, even though. These are small heavyweights compared to, to some others. They look tombstone or they look at Bronco. They don't think it's, it's insane how big these <laughs> robots can get.
1: So we have a we have a question from uh, Instagram user uh, Wes uh, Ashworth, and Wes wants to know: uh, Minotaur was ag- agonizingly close to finally winning the giant nut two seasons ago. What steps What steps have you guys made? Uh, to take into 2020 to get past vertical spinners like bite force and death roll uh, which have knocked you out in the last two years
2: uh so uh we, so uh, so the improvements we made for this season uh was to make uh stronger chassis of course with a better material i mean the same material but a good a good one a good batch uh 50 uh, thicker armor because actually uh one of the main issues we had against Bite Force in the 2018 final was that our chassis broke. I mean, if it hadn't broken, the the, the drum might still be spinning. And since they had burnt like three of their four uh, uh, bag, uh, weapon uh, mag motors, we might have won it. You know, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they just had one of the four weapon motors left. So. Uh, if a chassis didn't break, our, our drum would still be spinning. and we might have a shot uh, back then. So we had to make sure that our chassis wouldn't break again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, we increased the diameter of the of the wheels to get a better ground clearance because we got stuck against tombstone. Uh, it was not enough against that Row because that Row really did get a lot of chunks from uh, from our from our top cover. So that's what helped also getting his high center. So it, it was fair and square there. I mean, you, you can't have an infinite ground clearance, so it also must have a limit. If you have too much ground clearance, the robot gets too much unstable on the on the turn. So uh, we, we raised the ground clearance just enough uh, for for it to avoid getting stuck. Uh, we put a drum closer to the ground, shaving the ground. That was actually one of the issues we had yeah. in the very two, two fights. It was too close to the ground, and the ground was had a lot of imperfections. Uh, Lots, unfortunately, yeah. I heard, yeah, I've heard that they are building a new ground, a new floor for the uh, for the battle box. So that that's going to be great. Uh, but this season we had some issues. That, but so we were scraping the ground to make sure that we'll be able to knock off uh, uh, bite forces uh, forks there. Uh, we so we had a stronger chassis a bigger diameter drum. We also switched to a staggered tooth design, uh, which we also had tried in uh, 2018, but towards the end of the, of the competition, we built a larger diameter version uh, because this kind of design allows you to have more inertia and also to have a bigger bite, bigger teeth. When you want to use a single tooth drum, you need to balance this, this single tooth and... The drum doesn't have too much bite. Mm. Uh, with two teeth, you have a lot of bite there. And making them staggered, uh, also maximizing that bite in, in, in a way that you get a full turn of the drum until one of the one of the teeth finally hits the opponent. So there was a lot of, of, of tweaking and science in there uh, to, to get these new designs there. Uh, you also may been making some accessories, uh, some forks to, uh, to help us. The thing is that uh, our fork against Death Row was not long enough. So maybe if he, if he had some uh, forks that were a little bit longer on the sides, we might be able to reach him before the, this reach does. So that's one of the things. If you see uh, our fight against uh, Witch Doctor the year before, you yeah. see so- that our feet, they there are forks there. They did a very good job. You Know the, the uh, witch doctor wasn't able to hit us because we're keeping them away with them, so uh, so we need to work more on that now knowing that we have like such large disc spinners now, like death row and 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 witch doctor, of course. That's we also know that they can't have really insanely huge discs because then they 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 have weaknesses against horizontal spinners, you know, because horizontal spinners love big discs, you know, because it's they they much be thinner, of course, and they end up getting uh, getting uh, breaking. So so it's a cost benefit there. So so this is mostly what we did and what we still need to do uh, to be able to face uh, these spinners. Have better accessories, of course, a good bite, and of course a very high tip speed uh, to to make sure we do a lot of damage and and maybe even get the best of it in the weapon to weapon hits. Even though the geometry is not very favorable against discs,
1: we, had a, we have a question from um, uh, one of the team members behind uh, Nelly the Elliebot, and that's Rara Granger. And uh, Rara wants to know, uh, with you know, Minotaur's uh, the, some of the drum issues that you had earlier in the season. Uh, you know, getting into the final 16 and kicking butt as you always do, would you still consider this like a tough season for, for Minotaur or was the end result of getting so far worth the rocky start?
2: Oh, actually, I think both. You know, it was very tough, but it was worth it because we were able to tweak Minotaur. Uh, Minotaur, brand new design, uh, it's, it's, it's tough to, to really test it here in Brazil. Because you don't have many places to test it, and you don't have another robot to play with. You know that's the main point. You know one thing is to drive all by itself. One thing is being hit about our robot to see how it's working. And of course, uh, we didn't. We also didn't have a chance to check the the arena floor, the battle box floor before our first fight. So we only found out the issue that was really because of the scraping of the ground because we saw there was so much arena paint, uh, from the floor in our drum, so that's when we realized that the problem was not too much with our belt uh, ratio, our pulley ratio it was mostly because it was scraping the ground just enough not to to start uh, after like the few uh, few hits. So, so fighting several matches, we fought. If I'm not mistaken, we fought like nine matches. You know, can you imagine? You, you yeah. get out in the quarterfinals. But still, you fought nine matches in BattleBots, so that's which, insane. Which I believe no.
1: that's that's tied for most in BattleBots history.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so it, actually, if we had one BattleBots, we would have like uh, twelve fights. That would be <laughs> <laughs> that would be like RoboGames or something, you know. We are used to that. The RoboGames were not not a BattleBots, so it it, it was really. Uh, uh, it, it's, it cost a lot so to our robots. We lost some parts, uh, but we did a lot of repair on it as well. So so it was very tough because of that. We, uh, we had to, have, have to fight so many times. But on the other side, it was rewarding because we were able to tweak the robots. And I think now that we figure out like all the all the issues, uh, hopefully we can get back next season with uh, uh, at least all of them solved, you know. Uh, that's what some people say. That every loss is uh, is you're getting closer to to, to winning. You know, every time you break something breaks, uh, you find uh, a new uh, a better way. You, know, you have a better chances of winning. So uh, now that you have found all the issues with the new design, you're probably gonna get still with this new design. That's uh, not only because of uh, not only because it's it's a good design. Uh, with the issue solved, but because also of cost, budget. You know, it's uh, building new robots, completely new, insane. But we're going to invest on accessories uh, to make sure that it's going to do well uh, next season. So it was tough, but it was a very good learning process.
1: Now, Marco, you, since you're one of the educators uh, in this sport and you've been involved for so long, um, I think that this question is very important um, what piece of advice would you give a newcomer looking to build their first bot?
2: Okay, so for a newcomer, first thing is read a lot, uh, get some idea of what people do. You know, even watching videos is good to know what kind of robots you want You want to make, uh, what kind of robots work better, what kind of materials and designs people use. What kind of motors and controllers people use? Because sometimes you have very good ideas, very good mechanical skills, but you choose the wrong motor, wrong controller, and you get to a dead end there because just because you didn't have did a good choice in the beginning. So use the experience of other teams to uh, to to make a design that uses parts that are successful in combats, uh, and then start, of course, in the smaller classes. I mean, I would suggest weights or hobby weights. Uh, I love beetle weights, so <laughs> I'd suggest beetle weight, of course, uh, because they're not too expensive. Actually, hobby weights and beetle weights, they might have the same costs, basically, not not too much different there. Even though there is a big gap of uh, weight gap between them, so they are very good to start. Uh, that's going to depend also a lot on the of the competitions uh, you have near your city, near your area. Um, probably you're going to find more beetle competitions than the hobby because you're going to need a bigger arena for, for the hobby weights. So build your beater weights, compete, and then scale up. Don't start building your bots, heavyweight 250 pounds <laughs> in the first try, because you're going to waste a lot of money, you know. So uh, don't do that. In, in, the, in the beater weights, you can get away with, like, not using a CAD, a 3D CAD software. You can get away with, like, you know, printing all the parts uh, printing some, have some 3D printed parts as well, or even printing all the all the drilling, uh, all the drilling sketches and glue it on the material and doing everything by hand. Everything is going to work. Doing this on a very big robots is a little bit tougher. Uh, so, learn with the other builders and learn with the small bots. I think that's the main pieces of advice.
1: Marco, can you tell us more about Minotaur sponsors, Vex Robotics, Max Amps, um, PUC-Rio, Big Blue Saw, and MGM controllers?
2: Yes, exactly. So, uh, Vex Robotics was a very good surprise because uh, they, they have a, a very nice uh, cash sponsorship that helps us a lot. A lot you know, It's not usual to get uh, cash sponsorships, uh, so... We were very happy with them, and and also we use their Victor BB uh, speed controller for a drive system, and it works flawlessly. And actually, it's smaller than the controllers that you used before that. So, uh, we, uh, we we are very happy with with them. A uh, big blue saw. They did a great job, like uh, uh, machine uh, water jetting cuts, uh, water jet cutting uh, our. Most of our parts from from Minotaur, the sites went from China, but the, all the covers and all the mounts, internal mounts, everything else, they came from Big Blue Saw. So it was great. They they gave us the material. They gave us their time. You know, uh, everything was it, 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 it was great for us there. Of course, Maxamps. We've been using their batteries like for I don't know maybe for three or four years or so before they started sponsoring us. And they were the only ones that would survive Toro Maximus. And then, of course, Minotaur. All the other ones would pop. Uh, they just couldn't take all that all that load, you know. So uh, the, the, this, this, uh, these uh, batteries, they are very durable. So uh, we are very happy with them. It's not because they're sponsoring us. If they were not sponsoring us, we'd still buy them. So just don't tell them. <laughs> <laughs> but, of course, they're going to... We're going to be uh, talking well about them because we really love it. You know? And, of course, MGM controllers, they were like the, the game changer. Uh, when uh, we switched our weapon from brush to brushless, that was a huge difference. When we finally found the combination of the Scorpio motors, uh, which is also one of our sponsors, Scorpio motors, but as uh, a sponsor not for BattleBots. Uh, they sponsor uh, like the other, uh, the other competitions that uh, the sponsor real bots, but the other competition, not specifically battle bots, uh, because we had the limit of the number of sponsors and how and, and what they would offer us. So they are not the official sponsors, but they are very good as well. Uh, so the combination of Scorpio Motors and the MGM controllers, uh, it was a perfect match. I, I'm not sure if we were the ones that came up with this combination, uh, I'm not sure, maybe someone did. I'm sorry if I'm not mistaken. But if I'm not mistaken, maybe we are the first one. And when we did this combination, everyone was starting to use them. <laughs> Everybody was starting to use MGM and other bo- motors, but sometimes Scorpio motors as well. And they can take huge loads. Like our, our weapon motors, each weapon motors, it draws 800 amps uh, continuously during four or maybe four seconds during the spin-up of, of a drum. You know, we limit to 800 amps. So it's insane when you say, oh, you're limiting just to 800 amps. You know? So like both weapon motors are getting 1600 amps and that's from next amp batteries. So so everything has to, to be uh, really uh, overkill for you to survive. <laughs> uh, you need the, the batteries to take 1600 amps, a controller to take it, the motor. Otherwise, somewhere you're going to find the fuse. We when we find the fuse, you have to upgrade it. So, so uh, with the batteries so the, from XM's and the controllers from MGM, uh, we, uh, we, we think we have like a killer combination for the, for the web. And what, what's fun is that our robots is very international, you see. Our MGM controllers are from the Czech Republic. Scorpio models from Hong Kong. Uh, our, our sidewalls are made in mainland China. Our our covers and supports were made in the U.S. from <laughs> from big blue saw. Wow! Uh, some several uh, our our gearbox was all built here in Brazil. So it's a really uh, international robot. Uh,
1: Marco, is there anyone else you'd like to give a shout out to before we let you go?
2: Well, I, I, I just want to thank all, all my sponsors. Want to thank all my my university as well. I mean, my university is actually our biggest sponsor, Puki Rio. Uh, they, they, they have a budget, cash budget for us every year, and that makes a big difference because uh, we wouldn't be able to, uh, to have real bots, to, to work with real bots if my university didn't give this money, allow me as a professor to miss some classes, miss teaching some classes, to be like two to three weeks at BattleBots uh, or, or go to other competitions here uh, in Brazil or, or, or abroad. So they let my time off. They, they give us sponsorship. Uh, they, they give us a space uh, in the university to, to build all these robots. Of course, uh, we, we, they have a lot of return from us. You know, we, we are in the media, in Brazil a lot. So it's actually very good for them. And the main thing, we're good for their students. Uh, the students that come from the team, they are much, much well prepared, very well prepared. Uh, so many, many students... They get a better experience uh, when they they, they 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 go through the robots. So everybody wins. The university the students and I just have to thank them for, for this opportunity. You know, it's, I'm doing the thing I love and I'm getting paid for that. You know, <laughs> I can do combat robotics. Have someone help pay for it. <laughs> you know, if, if I was unemployed, I would put everything from my pocket. You know. <laughs> The truth is that even nowadays I still put a lot from my pocket, but don't tell much my wife, you know, about <laughs> <it>. <laughs> You know that happens, you know, because even with the university budget and all the budget, I had to put a lot from my pocket this year for Minotaur, for instance. Uh, but but uh, I would do it anyway. You know? I, I'm just so glad. I don't want to see the students, you know, have nothing to do because the budget is over that year. So towards the end of each year, it's when <laughs> I start, you know, Getting my hand deep in my pocket to <laughs> to to make sure that that everything is gonna continue run smoothly until the budget from the next year arrives. So, uh, thanks my wife for not <laughs> for not uh, making a big problem about that. <laughs> uh, thanks my wife for for like uh, bearing so many travels that I make. Like staying three weeks in the U.S. to assemble Minotaur, then two weeks competing and everything. So I have to thank her because uh, without her, I wouldn't have all the support I have here uh, to to do the things that I love. So, so that's that's a big shout out.
1: Marco, thank you so so much for spending some time with us, answering our questions, and and thank you for everything that you've you've contributed to the sport and to combat robotics. We cannot wait to see you and Minotaur in the box again. I look forward to it so, so much. The, the giant nut is waiting for you.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure being here with you. I had a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, we, we can talk anytime in the future, you know. And hopefully after the next BattleBots, we have something to put on my screw that we have here.
1: <laughs> we look forward to it. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned next week. We'll have another blast from the past interview. We'll see you then, folks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.